You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Tuesday, but today it's a Wednesday. I speak to Joanne Boehner from Sterling Private Wealth. I was just in Rotterdam, central Rotterdam, you know, the shopping and admin centre of the second biggest city in the Netherlands. About two weeks ago, they closed restaurants and bars because of a spike in cases, uh, COVID-19 cases. And then I was chatting to a shop owner uh, because the, the, the centre of town was completely empty. The only people were in the Apple shop and there was only uh, five people queuing, whereas normally is about 20. And they've extended it now to the end of the year. So no bars, no restaurants to the end of the year, no Christmas revelry, no New Year's revelry, apparently. And they might actually go into full lockdown by the end of the week, they're saying, because uh, there is a rumour that the Mark Rutter, the Prime Minister, is making a speech in a couple of days' time. So I, I don't know. You're an anti-lockdown person, aren't you? Oh, I'm very much anti-lockdown. Um, I think if you look at the statistics of this virus, it, it does make no sense to have lockdown. And plus the fact, from what I can read, they're not, it's not working. So just because you lock it down doesn't mean the virus goes away. Remember why lockdowns were brought in in the very beginning was to get um, hospitals ready. That was the reason, right? Get the NHS ready, get mm. government hospitals ready. Well, if they haven't had time to get ready now, what, what else are they are looking for? Locking down an economy and people losing jobs and you talk about Rotterdam being completely dead and quiet and potentially all the way to the end of the year, that's an absolute disaster for the economy. Yes, it is. So, so it's not, you know, lives versus livelihoods. I think that's what we started talking about months and months ago. I still maintain they're equally bad and you can't just switch up an economy and expect everything to be fine. Poverty also kills. It really does. It's a very difficult juggling out there. If somebody um, goes on BBC Breakfast or whatever breakfast show you watch and the grandmother has just died in a nursing home or something like that, or they couldn't get in to have uh, an emergency procedure that would normally be able to be accommodated because of the fact that it's overflowing with COVID-19 patients. It's a very, very difficult situation, Joanne. I know what you're saying from an economic perspective, and I know that the sci- that science doesn't at the moment back up uh, the lockdown uh, 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 approach, but yeah, it's difficult when you when you lose someone to to, to this, uh, whether it be COVID nineteen or as or the example I just gave of not being able to go in for example a cancer treatment, then you have to think to yourself, yeah, I don't know, I I don't know, I, well, I, I've, I've, I mean, I've thrown I, in the towel on okay, this one. I have no, to say, there's no easy answers to this, and you're going to have people very have very divided views. Yeah. But the reality is, the WHO came out I think a month ago saying lockdowns are not the solution. So I think what they're talking yes. about now is roading lockdowns, you know, two-week here. What is it called? Fire break lockdowns, mm. whatever the new terminology is. And look, maybe it slows the virus down. Ultimately, what we need is a vaccine. So, you know, that's going to be the only solution here. Though apparently, and I love this from Bloomberg today, yes. in the whole world, in the whole world, there have been 24 people reinfected. And now people are all terrified that a vaccine won't even work. Regardless, um, you know, we need to get on with our lives. Clearly, if someone you love dies, it's horrific. The only thing I will point out that, unfortunately, as one gets older, one's chances of dying do, does rise. Thank you for that. <laughs> that, that. You know, that's just reality. You know, if you're 83 years old, the probability of dying is probably quite high. If you're 25, less so. Mm. Death is awful for everybody. And we don't, I don't really want to get into your program about this because it's clearly horrific if someone you love dies. But it's also horrific if you can't put food on the table. And, and I'm just saying is there's got to be a better solution than pure lockdowns. 
It's been a rocky week on the markets because I think at one stage we saw, when was it? What today's Wednesday? Monday, I think it was. We had one and a half to two percent fall on on major indices, having been over three percent weaker. Just looking at my S and P futures at the moment, and they're down around about one and a half percent. Nasdaq futures down a similar amount, um, just slightly less. People say it's because of uh, spiking COVID cases, but I'm I'm not so sure. There's still a little bit of fatigue, isn't there, Joanne? I, I think there is partly fatigue coming into the markets. And don't forget, we've got the elections coming up next week. Mm. And from what I'm reading, the chances of Biden winning now are reducing. Doesn't mean he won't win. It's just the probability is, is coming down. Uh, looks like Trump's doing quite well in some states, they think. Interesting enough, over 50% of the turnout of 2016 have already voted. Over 60 million so people, have, yes. And, and yes. do you know, and who, you know who the normal. early voters are? Democrats. Well, I think they think Democrats are early voters. That's what they're thinking. Mm. So that does bode well for Biden. (laughs) Yes, they do. But, you know, I I have said this to you before on your show. I wonder if it'll come down to sort of anti-lockdown or pro-lockdown presidencies because Biden is clearly more pro-lockdown than Trump is. Yes. And if we get more and more COVID cases and people start to worry about their jobs and their livelihoods, who knows? They might actually vote if they were on the fence they might vote for Trump. So it's certainly not over yet. What I find more interesting is that markets, one of the rhetoric is that markets are falling because the Trump victory is becoming more of a possibility. I always thought the markets like Trump, yes. but who knows? I, you know, In the short term, it's almost impossible to establish why markets are moving up and down. I think there is real concern about the fiscal stimulus package that doesn't appear to have been signed yet. And a lot, a lot of these guys are on holiday anyway. So how are they going to get it signed before the elections? Probably not. So I think that's a big concern because if you are closing businesses down, you need government to put money in your pocket for you to survive. So clearly the fiscal stimulus is huge. Um, Equally, if Biden wins next week, it'll be interesting to see how markets react to it because I think ultimately in the long run, a Biden victory is bad for markets from an increasing tax perspective. Yeah, but so d- d- don't just focus on on tax, though, Joanne, because a tax, taxing people who earn over 400,000 US dollars a year, it's not going to make that much difference to them. It's, they're, not going to, it's, they're not going to immediately rein in their spending or anything like that. And it won't be dramatic. It'll be done in a responsible way, I think. I, I really believe that he will spend on things like infrastructure and that will create jobs. So it, 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 it counterbalances the, the tax aspect, the, the things that he's going to do, yeah, I no, no, think. You're not, I think you're right on the credits of uh, tax rates on individuals, but the feeling is that tax rates on companies could move from 21% currently to 28%, and, and that could have a major impact on a company's discounted cash flow valuation. Mm. So from that point of view, you could have you know markets falling because of worry of tax. So we just get a correction. We, we 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 get a tax increase correction. I mean, they've had it very good for a long time now. Have you seen some of the amounts of money that uh, the banks and tech companies are making? It's obscene. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I, I do think tech companies need to pay a fair share of tax. Yes, uh, and I think ultimately that's got to be good for the whole world if they do that because they are huge monopolies, raking in profits and not paying their fair share. So absolutely, I think it'll be great. Um, it might, however, mean if we get a Biden victory from reading between the leaves is that we could actually see um, emerging markets do better. Because in your point, if he does go very big on infrastructure, that should be good for the world economy. So you could see other regions of the world do better because back to your point, they've had it good for a long time. But particularly the U.S. stock markets had it good for a very long time. Maybe in a Biden victory, we start seeing the rest of the world play catch up because the rest of the world hasn't had anywhere near the kind of returns the Americans have had. So for a weaker dollar, emerging markets could do better. You could see Europe starting to cover somewhat relative to the U.S. So that could be good for the rest of the world. 
But in the short term, though, in the next week, it's very hard to call what on earth is driving markets. I think people are concerned about COVID. I think people are concerned about who's going to win. And markets, as you and I both know, Lindsay, hate uncertainty. They really do. What do you make of the recent noise uh, surrounding SA Inc.? In other words, companies that ply their trade within the borders, mainly of the Republic of South Africa. And I would characterize those companies as being sort of 60 to 70 percent of their revenue, their earnings, however you want to um, measure it inside South Africa. Because last week, everyone was, now is the time to to buy. And there were some really eye-wateringly good performances from companies like Impact. And and actually, there's quite a few, which I'm not going to rattle off now. It seems to have gone a little bit quiet now. But is it the time to start looking at that? And I know you're very much um, overseas focused at Sterling Wealth. But is there a case for nibbling away at some of these beaten up stocks? Oh, look, there probably is. I think valuations and some of these counters probably got a bit ridiculous. And I saw a very interesting commentary from Fairtree Asset Managers this week that they've increased their SA Inc. exposure within their funds because of valuations. They also make a very interesting point that they think tax revenue will be higher in 2021 and 22 because of the very good returns from the resource companies. So you could actually see the fiscus getting quite a lot of money from the the resource companies. So maybe our budget deficits aren't quite as bad as people are expecting them to be. I look, I remain skeptical. I mean, there was a very good comment this morning from the guy called Michael Sachs from he's a former budget office head and WITS adjunct professor saying that um, South Africa faces a financial fiscal crisis because it will not be politically possible or desirable to impose the kind of budget adjustments envisioned by treasuries. In other words, what treasury needs to do is cut the wage bill and needs to cut the wage bill, not, not stop it rising, but actually cut it by 100 billion rand. He doesn't see that happening. And he says we could have a fiscal crisis here. In a fiscal crisis, do I want to be long SA Inc.? No, you don't. Not so much. But but maybe, you know, that's more maybe a three to four year view. They, 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 you can get lots of dead cat bounces on these SA Inc. stocks because ultimately you have to tell me, and maybe you know, where is the structural growth in South Africa coming from? Why would where, I where know? Where is it coming from? Well, the thing is, you know, you speak to lots of clever people and maybe they're telling you, but when I look at this economy, I'm still struggling to understand where growth is coming from because that's ultimately what it boils down to. You need growth in the economy. You'll only pay our debt off if we get growth. You can't keep cutting spending to hope for growth. You just can't. So we need growth. And I, I, for the life of me, I can't see where it's coming from. That There is a hope that private enterprise, who apparently is a lot of cash, could start spending that money. But then you need government to come up with some very tax-friendly ideas to encourage private enterprise to spend money. And as you know, Lindsay, today, uh, Tito's addressing the nation in terms mm. of its medium-term budget policy statement. Uh, and there's lots of rumours circulating about increased taxes, a solidarity tax that we're all going to pay in. Uh, uh, people are going to stop paying tax in this country if they, ri- they raise taxes too much. Uh, we have got a massive fiscal problem here. Uh, and in that environment, it's very hard for me to be very bullish on SA Inc., Yes. Okay. But I mean, short term aside, again, I think this is a lot of its, you know, dead cut bounces. Who knows? I mean, Fairtree, as I say, are, are very good asset managers and they're increasing their allocation. And maybe they think the valuation is just too compelling. But but I continue to worry about where the earnings are coming from. And I would like to know what the percentage is of their total portfolio that they're putting into SA Inc. stocks. It's all very well saying, well, we're bullish of it. But if they're only putting one, two percent in there. Uh, just no, be- no, no. They've, they've increased by more than that. I mean, it looks like a, a proper allocation. All right. um, so they're not just you know paying lip service to it. I mean, they clearly still have the gold miners and the platinum stocks, but they have 
relative to where they were, they've increased their holdings. I mean, you could also argue there are some good news stories out there. So there's another one I saw this morning. Um, Uber, who Uber, I think that's how you pronounce them, the oh, guys yeah. that give um, home loans. Uh, they're saying here they've recorded the highest volume of home loan applications in 13 years in South Africa. Mm. Uh, and people are asked, get 80% of the applications are being approved. And they say it's, it's quite a hot market in the 500,000 to 1.5 million range. That is good. What do you confidence. get for that? If, a couple of bedrooms somewhere in Bryanston? Yeah, I don't even think a couple of bedrooms. Sounds like a half a bedroom to me. But but regardless, you know, if you start seeing the very bottom end of the market start to recover, yes. you will st- it will filter through to the higher ends of the market. It hasn't happened yet. But, but these are sort of things that we are watching because that is an indication that consumer confidence is improving. People don't tend to put money into property if they feel negative about the future. That is an indication as well that the high street banks, so-called, are not servicing the people that need the money and can qualify for a loan, which is also a little bit distasteful, I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Someone from FNB will probably send me a dirty email in the next <laughs> in the next few hours because of that. But maybe the banks are being a little bit too conservative and maybe they should open up as well. If you've seen the recent private sector credit extension numbers, PSCE, they've been horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, again... It's not going to happen overnight, but if people are starting to feel more confident, wanting to spend money, and banks start lending their money, these are all good signs. So, so maybe Fairtree have a point, and maybe the banks here just got so cheap, and maybe they will start to lend again. We haven't seen it in a major way yet, but we are seeing confidence slowly picking up. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to find really good news stories about South Africa. Like I say, I think we're all very nervous about what Tito is going to tell us today in terms of higher taxes and where is the money coming from. Because, you know, he keeps promising to give this one money and promising to give this one money. Well, where is it coming from? Because people are immigrating from South Africa and the tax base is, is getting smaller. Mm. And, and on top of that, we've had an economy shrinking. So it is a huge concern for me. But back to your question, SA Inc., maybe for a trade, but I need to see some structural changes in this economy before I could turn bullish on that asset class. I keep promising to give people money as well. But unfortunately, um, uh, pie crust also begins with a P. Um, <laughs> Joanne, thank you very much for your time. Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.